Bill Prentice at Meridian Energy Group. And the last time that we spoke, uh, Meridian had been given the permit to construct for the Davis refinery. And um, how has the site preparation and progress been coming along since then? Well, we had a couple of things to do with the county before we could actually start work in the field, but we got that done by, well, about the first week of July and uh, started work on site preparation and grading and getting some drainage installed. And that's been going along pretty nicely. Uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, we had some weather. Uh, given the recent weather, I think we're going to start looking at buttoning up the site for winter and pick it up again, uh, you know, April, May. Although uh, I understand this year they started construction activities out in that area as early as February. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, in the site work, it's, it's going great. Uh, we're continuing design and procurement efforts. So uh, actually this coming summer, you're going to be able to see the refinery taking shape on the ground. So things are moving along as, as it looks. Um, of course, the big news this week, the uh, Public Service Commission dropped a complaint. And I saw, um, I think it was your guys' um, attorney or legal representation that used the word new normal when it comes to uh, the new norm, you know, and it seems like any energy project, whether it's a refinery to a pipeline, seems to be challenged a lot, and some complaints are coming in. Um, was Now, did, did, did I get my facts right that there was the complaint was dismissed, or are there any lingering ones around? Or? Well, the, um, the, we, we saw two of the currently four litigation uh, um, items were uh, with regard to Davis uh, dismissed over the last couple of weeks. There was a complaint in the state court uh, saying that our conditional use permit from Billings County was not valid. Uh, that was dismissed recently. And then as you, as you referred to earlier this week, the Public Service Commission issued an order uh, on Wednesday uh, dismissing a motion that they assert jurisdiction over the project. And, uh, and require us to obtain an additional permit. And that was, uh, again, that went away. Uh, we have two additional items uh, right now that are out there. There's been an appeal to our air quality permit, and that's in process right now, uh, and an ongoing uh, action on the water authorization permit. So, you know, these things are ongoing. Uh, what you said earlier about uh, somebody at our firm having said this is the new normal. Uh, yeah, we we acknowledge that. Uh, it's just simply a, a fact of life these days that you get all your permits and you start your litigation phase. And typically that's going to be for quite a while. So we're just facing up to that. Yeah, I thought that new normal was an interesting term because I have noticed, like I said, you know, anything from a, it seems like a pipeline to, you know, all the way up to a refinery seems like there's some challenging. But the way I look at that is that um, it seems like, you know, that's the new norm. But when what happens in the end when complaints get dismissed and projects move ahead, it almost seems like it's a validation process that, um, you know, in your case, you guys were right with some of your 
uh, clean technology, some of your innovation that you know you've you've brought in working with your partners, that sort of thing. Have you guys talked about that at all? About you know either from a local level as far as some of the people that are getting validation that a lot of what you guys talked about is really coming to fruition in terms of you guys were kind of saying this all along, even though the complaints came in, they've been dismissed and it kind of validates what you guys are saying. Is that kind of crossed your mind at all? Well, it's, it just makes you feel a lot more secure in the way that, that we approach these projects and, uh, you know, the fact that it's a new normal means that at every stage during the process, you you simply have to assume that whatever you're doing is going to end up being discussed in a court of law someday, and you conduct yourself differently. And it increases the price of everything. It increases the schedule of every project. But it does make you much more careful. Uh, case in point, our air quality permit uh, which we received uh, back in June, uh, was immediately appealed. And, you know, that took us uh, about, well, 20 months to get that permit from the first filing. Um, an enormous amount of effort went into the engineering that backs up everything that we've said during that process. Uh, the health department spent a tremendous amount of, of money, man hours, investigating everything that we decided that we could achieve to make sure that it was validated. And then on top of that, you know, we have a lot of legal man hours uh, to ensure that everything was done correctly, not only just in compliance with the regulations themselves, but uh, the entire process was had to be done perfectly. Uh, little things like the fact that we went out for public comments, of course, under the health department rules and regulation. We received almost 11,000 comments during that public comment period. Every single one of them had to be evaluated and responded to. Uh, that was enormously expensive. So again, you know, just knowing that you're going to be in that glare of, of litigation makes you have to spend that kind of money and, and put forth that kind of effort. But then at the end of the day, Jason, you know, having done that, you sit back and it's kind of, okay, bring it on time, and you know you're going to see it. Uh, you just you, you get to the point where you can't wait for it to happen because you want to show what a good job you did. I still think you guys have the patience of Job, I mean, in, in order to kind of wait some of these things out. You know, you mentioned the air quality permit, and one of the first things that comes to my mind is I thought this was settled, you know, 12, 14, 18 months ago when you guys were awarded this permit. And the reason I say that is the air quality permit, even I'll even go as far as to say the water permit, doesn't this a lot, a lot of this have to do with just science and the fact that, you know, when you guys implement it, the science and the theories are going to hold. Um, I know there's, there's certain emotional strings that can be pulled at times, but it just seemed like, it, to me, it seems like like the air quality and, like I said, even the, the water really comes down to a lot of science. Am I out of line for, for thinking like that? Well, there, there are two general areas of permitting. There's the, uh, the environmental-type permits, like the air quality permit and the water permit. Then there are the use permits, the siting kinds of things, like the Public Service Commission 
would have uh, imposed upon us. Uh, you know, the whole sighting thing was settled back in July of, uh, of 2016 when Billings County gave us our conditional use permit. And that, again, is an entirely different set of concerns where the county simply takes a look at everything we're, we're going to do. And we provided them with a, a California-style environmental impact statement showing every aspect of the project and what it was going to do to and for the surrounding area. And they have, a, they have the right to decide whether or not they want a refinery in Billings County. And so we went through that with the county and, and got the, the conditional use permit. So it was not until after that was done that we even filed for our air quality permits. Because you have to know where the project's going to be to get that permit done. So we did that in October of 2016. And it took us 20 months to go through that process. That That's an example of an environmental uh, type of permit where there are certain emissions uh, limitations that you have to come in under, and that's pure science, that's pure engineering, but it gets very, very granular. I mean, you, we have to show them every single type of equipment we're going to use, every single uh, piece of equipment has to be sized to the extent you can, short of detailed design. And yeah, that's, that's a pure engineering permit, and the Department of Health takes a look at every single piece of that, they make us provide backup for everything that, they, that we say we're going to do. And every aspect of that that constitutes a piece of control technology, like uh, the way you limit NOx uh, emissions from a heater, for instance, uh, has to do with the design of the burners. And we have to show them exactly what we're going to do in each case. So, yeah, it's, it's very scientific, but, you know, within... Within the kinds of things that engineers do, you have a lot of room in there where you have to make sure that the right assumptions were made and that the right kind of calculations were conducted. Uh, then there's that whole area of air quality monitoring that the health department requires. And that's an enormously complicated uh, um, engineering task. And one would say it's almost an art form. So we had to go out and find the firm in the United States that they a nationally recognized expert in doing this in order to make sure that, that this was done properly and that the health department would appreciate what we'd, we'd accomplished there. So yeah, even though it's it's pretty cut and dried from a, a logical point of view, that doesn't mean it's any, more, any less complicated to get it done right. And yeah, we, we went through a lot, both on the more subjective side for the siting permit and on the pure engineering side. It's been a very intense couple of years getting these permits done. Well, like I said, I think you guys have uh, gotten the award of the patience of Job to uh, get a b biblical reference there for you. But uh, I was, I, I'm a little bit, I guess I, I was a little bit surprised um, because, you know, you guys had quite a review process from the Department of Health. And I've interviewed Terry O'Claire and he went into a dissertation, including, you know, the EPA getting involved for, you know, vetting your guys's technology and companies and 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 the whole methodology of what you guys were bringing into this and so i commend you guys for for being as patient as you are and uh stick sticking with this particular project which is going to add a ton of 
jobs and economic stimulus out to not only Billings County, but the surrounding areas, even, you know, from Beach to Dickinson is really going to benefit. Watford City, to a certain degree, uh, might even get some some uh, employees and uh, some of the ancillary businesses that kind of go along with this sort of refinery. Um now, are you guys... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I just have to comment on that, Jason, yeah. a minute. You, you talked to Terry O'Claire, so I, I just have to mention that when I would be telling people about our project in North Dakota, uh, they would kind of say something to the effect, well, at least you're not doing this in California where they were going to be really tough on you. And I would think, God, I wish I could take him to meet Terry and his guys because they were very tough on us. And I think, uh, I think they put other regulatory agencies around the country, including EPA and, and the Air Resources Board in California, to shame with the kind of requirements they imposed. I, I would agree. Uh, I mean, yeah. go ahead. Well, they're, they're just really, really have a lot of expertise in this area and very, very thorough and comprehensive. So, yeah, we didn't get away with anything. Uh, simply because we were in North Dakota. Well, I've said this before that um, I've been working with the health department for over 20 years on on different stories and different projects and that sort of thing. And I can't recall a project that was um, vetted as closely and as much as your guys's project was. And 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 that's and I I mean that I mean I was I was really shocked at it. But again, I go back to, at the end of the day, that really does validate a lot of what you guys said out of the gate. A lot of what you guys projected and what you promised uh, the state. Uh, did anything really have to change along the way to a point to where it might affect any of the output or any of the emissions or anything like that? Or is, is everything pretty much still on, on track when it comes to um, that sort of things, adjustments, outputs, emissions, that, that realm, I guess. Well, you know, when you, when you have a, a set of complicated in, environmental requirements that have to be met through design in a project that's complex, um, you, you go into the design effort on the front end with, you know, a blank sheet of paper and you know, taking a look at what the industry has done has not been very helpful because the refining industry in this country has not kept up with the technology. Uh, this industry has a reputation of being dirty, and they've earned it. Uh, we found a lot of areas where you could do a lot better. And as a result, when we introduced that kind of design into this process, we had to prove that this was the right thing to do in many cases. Uh, for you know, one small example, uh, Bakken crude oil doesn't have a lot of sulfur in it. If you use traditional uh, sulfur removing technology, uh, it, it's kind of funny because it would perform better if you just dump sulfur into the crude oil on the front end to make it higher. Uh, we had to use, we went to a, a very advanced technology, proprietary technology for uh, sulfur removal on this Bakken crude at, at Davis. And it took us a while to be able to demonstrate to the air quality division that this was the right way to handle it. Uh, so they were 
you know, the, the comprehensive nature of this review, the thorough nature of it, had a great deal of impact on our design uh, throughout the process. <clears throat> now that you're kind of getting in the home stretch a little bit here, you know, there's a few people that probably still are, are doubters, if you will, that are kind of holding on to maybe a complaint or two, that sort of thing. Um, you know, we've kind of looked at the energy industry as, you know, dirty industry. And I've always said, you know, this people often associate like Pittsburgh being dirty of the old steel days. And then I remember going to Pittsburgh and thinking, God, this is a gorgeous, clean city. Um, with that kind of analogy a little bit, do you think that there's kind of that old mindset with a lot of these different people that, you know, refineries and the energy industry is, is dirty and they don't necessarily understand that there's been some pretty advanced technologies to where a lot of times the smoke they see is nothing more than water, is nothing more than moisture that comes out um, and that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean by that to where that perception thing, do you think it's changed at all? Do you still think there's a little bit of that dirty thought? Well, I, I think that by, by and large, uh, people in our country think of refineries as being dirty places. And, uh, you know, that's from, from their experience. Uh, and your average refinery in this country, the plant and equipment is probably 40, 50 years old. So in some of the, even in California, which is known as being a state that's uh, very hard on polluters, uh, there are refineries here that were originally built in the turn of the previous century, in the early 1900s. And it just, you know, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all big iron, and it's hard to change it and update it. Um, you know, you have advances in catalysts that, that will be much more efficient in turning hydrocarbons into fuel. Uh, it's inefficiency that really gives rise to pollution. And you can't really go out and turn 300 tons of metal into a new thing that you can pack with a different kind of catalyst. So a lot of this old technology out there is there for keeps. Uh, we don't have that disadvantage. We don't have legacy facilities or technology that we have to stick to. We can adopt the new stuff with a blank sheet of paper. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like uh, being critical of the guys that operate these older refineries, you know, a lot of them do a very difficult job very well. And, uh, you know, my hat is off to them. But, you know, we decided to do it differently and start with a open piece of ground and a blank sheet of paper and take advantage of all the latest technology. And as a result, we can commit to having emissions that on a you know, compare it to the industry average on a per barrel capacity basis. We're probably at one-eighth of the industry average in terms of pollution. I suppose it's a lot like um, when they started putting emission controls in cars um, in terms of, you know, that, that happened pretty quick. And you saw this drastic change in cars that were, you know, putting out some pollutants to where they just – really reduced it by a significant amount. Is that kind of what we're talking about here, that the technology has increased that much to where you're able to see a significant change like that? It's not this slow, gradual process like that 
I think a lot of people are, are thinking where, no, this is, this is a done deal. This is new technology that's making it uh, more clean and more efficient, and it's controlling emissions more than before. And I don't know if the car is a good analogy. I just you mentioned California, and I remember California when they got into their emission control, uh, you know, those little pieces that you put in the cars that really cut down on the amount of emissions that were being kicked out in California. Is that kind of what we're seeing here, that the technology has gotten really – that far advanced to where it's going to be a night and day type of a, a of a perception, I guess. I think it's a good analogy. Um, you know, it used to be that when fuel was was cheap and there weren't that many cars around or that many people, for that matter, uh, efficiency was not a big deal. Uh, you would have engines that that ran. Uh, uh, fairly cool compared to current engines and a lot more steel than you really needed to move things around. And so gas mileage, you know, was not a big issue. They start packing a lot of those, call, those cars in the, in the confined areas and that pollution starts to build up. And then suddenly fuel is more expensive. You know, I, I don't want to date myself by telling you know, what, what I used to pay for uh, gasoline when I got my first car, but it was... Uh, you know, the low double-digit cents per, uh, per gallon. Wow. And it's, what, 15 times that now in certain urban areas. And the same is true of crude oil in a refinery. You know, it wasn't that long ago, the crude oil was about $10 a barrel. And, and you know, pollution was not a big issue when most refineries were built. So efficiency was not a big issue. But think about efficiency and pollution. Uh, you talk about walking or, you know, going by many, many uh, industrial facilities now. What some people think is smoke is just steam coming out of a cooling uh, tower or something like that. You very rarely see smoke because those are hydrocarbons. That's money going out the stack if you're really seeing it. Uh, same is true of the flare stack. Like people in North Dakota might see the flare at the, uh, the Mandan refinery once in a while. Uh, that's burning up hydrocarbons before they get out into the air. And with modern design, those hydrocarbons don't have to be burned. Uh, and pollution should become marketable product. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an engineering malfunction. Uh, if you were to build a new facility that would have all of those attributes of an old plant, meaning high pollution, low efficiency. That's a good way to put it. The oil, you know, the oil and gas industry is in the hydrocarbon business, so they don't want them out the smokestack or the uh, flaring stack, if you will. So that's 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 a good way to put it. Um, just kind of final thoughts here. Uh, anything that we missed? Anything that we want to reiterate? Uh, any timelines that you might know of yet at this point that uh, uh, people can start, you know, getting in their head for when they're going to start seeing this project come a little bit closer to fruition or any any of these, uh, I guess, um, other dates that people might want to put in the back of their mind or just any final thoughts? Well, you know, in terms of timeline, uh, there, there have been quite a few delays primarily because of the permits. So we're trying to catch up as much as we can, but uh, winter is, is always an issue up there, so... We'll see what we can do. I, I think we're we're still trying to get everything uh, that we can installed and, and mechanically complete 
during the uh, you know 2019 and 2020 construction season. Uh, we'll probably be in startup towards the end of 2020 and in operation uh, fairly early in 2021. Uh, hiring will start. Uh, uh, there'll be construction activity on the site and a lot of hiring associated with that starting this coming summer. Uh, during uh, 2020, we're going to be laying in most of the permanent staff, so hiring for local people will be starting in less than two years. Well, that should give people in um, the area time to get prepared for the new employees coming, because I remember that study where uh, out in Washington where for every employee that you bring in, it was a time 12 people in the community that it has an impact on, whether it be a coffee shop employee or family member moved to town. I think that's what it was for every employee. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Either a 12 to 1 or 14 to 1 in some of the studies we've seen. And, you know, so, yeah, there'll be over 2,000 uh, permanent uh, jobs in the area as a result of the refinery. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just going to be great for Belfield and, and Dickinson and Medora and, you know, like you say, even up to Wofford City and over the beach. Yeah. Uh, a lot of demand for people and, and for service companies, you know, companies that help out with maintenance and welding and everything else. Um, there's even been uh, indication that Belfield's going to be getting a, a grocery store once we get into construction. So, Jeez, uh, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, uh, they used to have one there and it went away, but now there's a, a site and people talking about it. So, yeah, that, that kind of prosperity is... Uh, is something that we're just really gratified to see and, uh, um, you know, glad to be a part of it. 